What's going on, ladies and gents? I'm Billy Donnelly, and I'm getting old quickly. Welcome back for another brand new episode of the podcast. For those of you who have been here before, well, you know the drill, you know the lay of the land, and you know what we're here to do. But if this is your first time, also welcome. Welcome aboard on our journey of self-reflection and self-discovery, of introspection and self-improvement. Basically, we put in the work to be better today than we were yesterday, to be better tomorrow than we were today. So what are we going to talk about this week? Hmm. You know, so this is going to be, uh, this is like the holiday show, <laughs> I guess. Um, you'll be listening to this uh, sometime during the holiday week. Or, I mean, maybe you won't be. Maybe it'll be sometime afterwards. But when this episode uh, launches, when it's published, when it's put out there into the world, it will be in the week leading up to Christmas. So uh, I wanted to sort of touch upon something Christmas related uh, that sort of been dealing with um, the last several days uh, leading into the holiday. So, you know, in, 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 look, things will, things will make more sense as we go. Okay. Um, but, uh, look, I, I love Christmas. Christmas is a real big deal for me. Um, I love Christmas Eve. I love Christmas day. Uh, I love the Christmas season. I like the lights. I like the gifts. I like spending time with people. Um, I'm all about Christmas. Santa's my homeboy. Uh, <laughs> um, look, I I really enjoy uh, Christmas. And it, it does. It goes back to me being a kid. I used to get sick every year on Christmas Day. Because I would be so excited that Santa was coming or that Santa had arrived and everything that Santa had brought that I would, I would make myself sick, like with excitement. And every Christmas day I would like throw up and it was horrible, but I love Christmas. <laughs> um, it's a real twisted way of showing my love and appreciation for Christmas, but well, it just is. And so, um, you know, in, in 2001, when I was in school and I was in college, uh, you know, that was September 11th. And that was the first time I had not gone home for Thanksgiving. Prior to that, uh, Thanksgiving was really a big deal in my family, and we would always do Thanksgiving, um, you know, my extended family. And when 9-11 happened, uh, Thanksgiving was only, you know, about two short months afterwards, and no one wanted to fly. No one wanted to get on any planes. And so I certainly didn't. And I didn't go home for Thanksgiving that year. And it sort of broke the cycle of what Thanksgiving means to me or it meant to me. And uh, since then, I haven't been back for Thanksgiving. I kind of look at Thanksgiving a little bit more disparagingly, I think, um, due to the fact that it's a lot of travel 
during a short period of time. And yeah, it just, it just, it didn't have the same uh, connection with me anymore. You know, when dudes Thanksgiving a little bit differently in recent years, at least since I've been married, uh, Thanksgiving is a bigger deal on my wife's side of the family. So like Thanksgiving be is like her, her holiday with her family and you know I'm involved in whatnot but it's it's a bigger deal for her Christmas is still a big deal for me and we still have typically done Christmas uh with my family and we've done um we've done trips uh we had a, a massive uh Disney gathering with my family my wife's family like five years ago uh in Disney World that was great and, you know, and I'll get a little bit more into sort of like plans for this year and the holidays with my family uh, later to sort of put some things in perspective. But needless to say, I love Christmas. OK, and with that, obviously, comes the traditional and annual exposure to the Christmas movies. Now, I will only go so deep. You will not find me sitting around uh, in the weeks leading up to Christmas watching the Hallmark movies or the crazy, weird Lifetime Christmas movies. I know people who do. More power to them if that brings them joy for the holidays. Good for you. Doesn't do it for me. For me, there's like a handful that are like musts that like I need to watch Every holiday season. It start. I mean, it ends on Christmas Eve into Christmas Day when I watch 24 hours of a Christmas story. Now, I don't watch all 24 hours, but I watch enough. Uh, I usually watch it once all the way through and then throughout the day we'll pop in and watch things like from end to beginning or like from the middle to the end or the start to the... Like, I will watch enough of it. But also along the way, I've watched my Die Hard, because that's a Christmas movie. Uh, sometimes I'll sprinkle in Gremlins or Bad Santa. But the other one that is a must for me is It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, every year I, I, I watch It's a Wonderful Life, sometimes by myself. It's not really my wife's thing. My kids, I think, are too young to really, like, understand it or, like, get into it. So this is, like, for me. It's a Wonderful Life is for me. And this year, I sat down to watch It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, it just wrecked me. I mean, it just absolutely wrecked me. And I cry at the end of It's a Wonderful Life every time, okay, without fail. There's not a time where I do not watch It's a Wonderful Life and cry. It happens every time. It's like a guarantee. But this time around, not only did I cry at the end, I mean, I was sitting there at like 2 o'clock in the morning, like openly weeping on my couch, and it got real deep into my feelings because so much of what transpires throughout the course of It's a Wonderful Life are things 
that I can see in my own existence, in my own life, in things that I struggle with, in things that I have a hard time reconciling, some of which we've talked about throughout the year on the podcast here. And so this week, after watching It's a Wonderful Life, I thought I wanted to talk about the George Bailey standard that is sort of set in It's a Wonderful Life. Now, look, not too long ago here on the podcast, talked about progress, not perfection. And that's still something that I'm trying to hammer into my own head for my own good. Progress, not perfection. And, you know, and one of the other things that I think is truly important is to not compare yourself to others. How others are, what they do, how they act, what they say, all those things. And when it comes to It's a Wonderful Life, um, you know, George Bailey is a fictional character. The character that Jimmy Stewart plays in Frank Capra's film is a fictional character. So they can paint him and portray him and create whatever it is that they want to draw out some sort of emotional response from you in watching it. But... I think that the reason that that film resonates so well with people and why it's been a timeless classic over so many years is because there are things that we see in George Bailey that resonate with us, that we connect with, that we see then in ourselves. And there's also this standard of who George Bailey is how George Bailey operates that we wish we could live up to, that we aspire to live up to because of what it means in his fictional life. So this week on the show, I'm talking It's a Wonderful Life. Um, and I haven't really done this uh, before here on the show uh, in all the episodes leading up to here you know and I have a film background and I love movies and talking about them but I thought at least after watching this film sort of dissecting it and, and talking about it is how it connects with me and how I resonate with it and why this particular watch in this particular year wrecked me more than the rest would be an interesting discussion here on this episode of the show. So, if you haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life before, now might be the time to pause the show, go watch the film, and come back. Because I, I'm going to talk about some things. Maybe they'll come into spoiler territory. 
And, you know, I don't want to ruin the film for you if you've never seen it. So this might be the time for that. And if you have seen it before, maybe it's hazy, maybe it's foggy. Maybe you do want to go back and do a recap or you're just you're just going to come along for the ride. And, you know, things will probably trigger memories uh, of your watching of it in the past. And you say, oh, yeah, that's right. So so here's here's your warning. Proceed with caution. The ball's now in your court. Okay? Okay. All right, so let's talk about It's a Wonderful Life and Jimmy Stewart as George Bailey. So, George Bailey grows up in a little town called Bedford Falls and sort of wants to get out his entire life. Doesn't want to be trapped in this place. Wants to go out and do great things. Believes that he is destined to do great things. And he just, he doesn't even want to like, you know, cure diseases or uh, save the world. He wants to go out and be an architect or a city planner. He wants to design buildings in cities and... Things of that nature. That's that's what he wants to do. And it never happens for him. It never happens for him. As a kid, he loses hearing in one of his ears, saving his brother from an accident where he nearly drowns in a frozen over pond that, that, break, that he breaks through of. And so he has that struggle, but he... It shows George Bailey as a selfless individual. It shows George Bailey as somebody who is very much concerned of taking care of other people and putting their needs ahead of his own. And that continues as a thread throughout the film. George Bailey always wants to leave. There are times where George Bailey is leaving. He has a train ticket to get out of there. He has a boat ticket to get out of there. He's got a brand new suitcase to get out of there. He's going to go to college. He saved up money to go. He's getting out. And there's always something that holds George Bailey back and doesn't let George Bailey out. His father dies. His father, who had run the local building and loan, which was basically an alternative to the bank, which was run by the warped and twisted and greedy and soulless Mr. Potter. And so when his father dies, he takes over the building and loan. Not because he wants to. He doesn't have any dreams of taking over this institution. It's not what he wants to do. He's not looking to follow in his father's footsteps. He wants to carve his own path. But in order to save this thing for the town and what it means to the town and to not give it over to essentially the greedy corporation of Mr. Potter... He 
as a condition of keeping it going has to become the head of it. At a time when he's ready to go off to college. And what does he do? He gives the money that he saves to go to college to his younger brother, who is just graduating high school, to send him out into the world. And so life happens. And George Bailey's still stuck. And the goal is, is for his brother to go to college and come back. And when he is done, George will finally go out to college and his brother will take over his spot in the building alone. But his brother goes off to college and he meets a girl and he gets married and her father offers him a job. And so once again, George is kind of stuck. But he's stuck in a way that helps other people. And so while George Bailey doesn't reap any benefits to what he's doing, others do. Because he's taking care of others in the town to get a fair shot at their own better life. George Bailey continues to make sacrifices for the betterment of others. And there are people that he knows. And I guess that he's friendly with. But I wouldn't say George Bailey's going out of his way for people he's close to or people that mean a lot to them or mean a lot to him. He just knows that it's important that these people get a fair shake in life. And, you know, there's, there's even a part where he gets married. George meets a girl. She comes back. She's had a huge crush on him for the longest time. Mary, played by Donna Reed. And what happens? They're supposed to go on their honeymoon. George has saved money up to once again get out of this town. Even temporarily. It's not even that they're going for good. This is his chance to see some of the world that he has dreamed of seeing. And there's a run on the banks. And in order to stay open, in order to keep the institution, the building and loan going, George uses his own personal money, the money that he had saved with his wife to go on their honeymoon, in order to keep others afloat. And over time, it wears on George. Why? Because he's given up everything. 
He's a wife. He has children. It's a steady work. He's known in his community. And yet all of his hopes, all of his dreams are gone. Because of life. All the plans that he had in his head for what he was going to do, gone. All the expectations as to what his life might look like, what he was going to do, gone. And George is kind of stuck with a life that he didn't really choose, but a life that happened to him nonetheless. And that's a sad reality I think a lot of us face, myself included. Not that I would trade what I have. I love my wife very dearly. I love my, both of my children. I have a lifetime of memories and experiences with all of them. And I wake up every day and I am so I'm so grateful they're in my life and that they're here with me but that doesn't stop me from wondering from time to time what if what if things had gone differently what if I had zigged rather than zagged What if instead of going down, I went up, left instead of right? What if my choices were different? And granted, I can't have it all. All those things that I have now that I'm grateful for would probably not be here because my life would have turned out differently, would have wound up in a different place, maybe doing something different. And who knows if I'd be happier or worse. But I do think we all get to a point in our lives where we do feel a little beat down. Because our lives didn't really turn out the way that we'd want them to or expected them to. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But nobody ever prepares you for that reality. Nobody ever sits you down to tell you, hey, um, just want to let you know. This is the way of the world, but you may want to begin to prepare yourself for all the disappointment that is to come. And that's a horrible reality. It's, it sucks. It's a sucky reality to face. But a reality nonetheless. And one that we all deal with. To some degree or another, at one point or another. There's no escaping that. Nobody really gets the entire life that they would 
desire to have. Are there some maybe that are a little luckier? Yeah. But the law of averages says it's it's not most. It's not the majority. And so here we are. Dealing with that on our own. Because nobody prepared us otherwise. I mean, it's like the stupid theme song to Friends, right? So nobody told you it was going to be this way? Clap, 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 clap. Nobody tells you that. Instead, we're all sort of pumped with the idea of optimism. That, that you know, we could be whatever we want. We could do whatever we want to do. It's a great thought. I just think over time we become more pessimistic, more jaded. When it doesn't really happen for us, that wanting something doesn't make it so. Even working towards something doesn't always make it so. And so as George Bailey comes to terms with the reality of his situation, as he continues to really make the best of his life, George Bailey is faced with a crisis. His partner in the building and loan is Uncle Billy, no relation to me, of course, misplaces a large amount of money that puts their accounts off. They are short in their accounts. Of course, the money turns up in the hands of Mr. Potter, who just sits on it because he wants George Bailey to fail. He wants the building loan to go away. He wants control over the entire town. And so faced with this dire situation in which George is sure to be held accountable, held responsible for what happens as the head of the building and loan, you know, the stress weighs upon George. Because it doesn't look good. There are plenty of times in our lives we're faced with dire circumstances that are difficult for us to handle, that are difficult for us to navigate. That don't look like they have a good end in store for us. And it could be a number of things. We've all faced those moments in our lives where we say, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this okay. I don't know. And 
And so George contemplates at that point in time, after begging for help from Mr. Potter and being rejected, George ponders taking his own life. With sort of this idea that the world would be better off without him right now and that he himself would be better off dead than alive. And I think that that's a natural thought for a lot of people to have. It doesn't necessarily make you suicidal. But I do think there is a part of ourselves that does wonder what impact does my life have in this grand, crazy world? And especially when the hopes and the dreams have been gone and you feel less than what you believe is an ideal version of yourself. You do wonder, what was it all for? What am I doing here? What good am I? What does it matter from here or not? And so with that, an angel comes down to encounter George and uses the tactic of showing George what life would be like if he wasn't here. And so they'd sort of travel through George's life and see the different ways that his actions have rippled out to affect other people's lives. And it starts with his brother. His brother who crashes through the ice as a child and dies because George wasn't there to save him. And there's the pharmacy that George works at as a, as a youngster where he saves the pharmacist from murder, essentially. The pharmacist had gotten a telegram stating that his that a family member had died and distraught, he puts poison in the capsules that are supposed to be delivered out to one of the customers. And George sees this and knows this and tries to do the right thing and doesn't deliver them. And as a result, he saves that person's life and he saves the pharmacist from ruin. But when George isn't there to make those choices... It all happens. It all comes to fruition. George isn't there to take over the building alone, so Potter takes over all of Bedford Falls, becomes Pottersville. And it's like... It's like the alternate Hill Valley in Back to the Future Part 2. It's just a... It's not the small town that they all love and grow up in and want to stay in. 
And so over time, George sees what his life really amounts to. You know, his wife never got married and just sort of becomes an old maid. His brother, who had gone on to fight in the war, isn't there to help become a war hero who saves an entire transport from dying in battle. And George comes to, to get an appreciation for his life. And what it amounted to, what it, all the people that he's touched... And when it's revealed to him that he is still alive, he has a new lease on life, really, and a gratitude for what his life is, even though it's not the life that he wanted. And when the warrant is put out for his arrest, and the press is there, once again, knowing that the accounts and the billing and loan is short, the funds that they're supposed to have, the town gathers together and helps George Bailey. I think it's something like $8,000 is what he's short, which, you know, given the time of It's a Wonderful Life, is a lot of money. But the town rallies together and donates money. I mean, this is like, this is the original GoFundMe. This is it. Like, this is the original GoFundMe. Where the crowd, the entire community, the entire town of Bedford Falls, all of the people that George has helped over the span of his entire life come together to give back and help George Bailey. By donating whatever money it is that they have and pulling it all together to bail out George Bailey and to bail out the building alone and to get him out of trouble. With the money that he's short by filling that void. And when they all come through to the Bailey house and they're all giving their money and they're piling on dollars, I mean, that's when I lose it every single time. Because it shows to me that here's this man who has tried to do everything he possibly could to just help other people. He's just a good dude. And when he needs help, those people reach right back out 
and save him. Just being a good person is all George Bailey needed when he needed something the most. We all want to be George Bailey. We all want to think that they're that we're good people. And most of us are. You know, we're complex. There are times where we're not the best. There are times that we do things out of being petty. There are times we do things out of spite. We're not Mother Teresa. Once again, we're not we're not perfect. We make mistakes. We say the wrong thing. We hurt people from time to time. Not necessarily on purpose. Or out of vindictiveness. But it's just the way that it is. And so sort of the standard of George Bailey in just being a selfless person for others. I think we'd all like to be there. We'd all like to find our ourselves in that spot. Sometimes you may try. It just feels like the world doesn't want you to be that way. And so I think I struggle with that a little, or at least this time around more than others. About not necessarily being the person that I would like to be, or that I even would see myself as. I mean, I look, I'm 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 realistic, okay? I've gotten more open and honest with who I am over time as it is, and more comfortable with that as well. And I wouldn't call myself a selfless man for others. But I do think I go out of my way to try and help people when they need it. You know, throughout this pandemic, I've reached out to people that I don't really even talk to quite often. Just to sort of see how they are, how they're doing, how they're holding up. Especially with social media, there are times where you'll see people who feel like they're struggling or make it known that they're struggling. And they're kind of looking for help in some form or another. And I always do my best to try to reach out to them, especially, you know, doing this show, the goal is to try and make people feel less alone. And so I think I've always done that is to try and make people feel less alone in their problems because I do, I genuinely like people and I genuinely want the best for them. 
especially people that I know, even if we're not close, even if we're not friends per se. I mean, it does, it makes me sad to hear of what some people are going through at different times. But I also don't believe, you know, and this is where it hit me uh, really hard this year, was that I don't believe... And this sort of ties into a, a couple of the recent episodes, you know, fear of failure, lack of confidence. I don't believe that if I was in trouble, I would see something similar to what George Bailey got when he was most in need. My family would be there, absolutely. My wife would be there, my kids would be there to support me. But I don't know beyond that. Because I've never really felt or or experienced really in my life a time where People went to bed for me. And so watching It's a Wonderful Life and getting all in my feelings, um, you know, I, I really started to reflect on my life. You know, I've been fired from several different jobs at different points on different career paths. And I never had anybody go to bed for me. To either help me avoid that or to help me get back on my feet. Help me find another job. Help me overcome whatever struggles I was dealing with. Just listen to the to things in my head that I'm having a hard time dealing with. And they were asked people for money. I mean, even, even when I launched one of my sites and we did, we did a crowdfunding to get it off the ground. Uh, and we did raise five grand over the course of a month, but that was like, that was like pulling teeth to get that money together in order to make this thing happen. People didn't just go out of their way, out of the goodness of their heart, to, oh, well, this is what's going to happen. I need to do this for you. It was, you know, it was a thing to really have to struggle through. And not that I'm, I should be entitled to that. But it certainly would have been nice if it was a little bit easier to make happen. To, to have that support come through uh, without having to really grind to get it. 
you know, and so that that was that was a hard realization to have this time watching that. And then the the final piece was is that after Clarence helps George, Clarence finally earns his wings as an angel. And he gifts George his book of Huck Finn. And he inscribes inside the cover to George the quote that says, No man is a failure who has friends. And that one really sort of stings. Uh, number one, as we've heard in recent episodes, uh, fear of failure, big thing for me. But the other, which once again uh, goes all the way back to one of the starting episodes of this podcast, is this feeling of not having friends not having good friends not having friends that you could count on not friend not having friends that you feel would be there for you when you needed it and look over the course of this year from the start of this podcast I think that there are people I feel better about the fact that there are people in my life who I think would come through for me um, but when it comes to the friends part of it and look we're in a pandemic so it's not like I'm seeing people or hanging out with them or doing things with people but prior to all of this, it did feel like that was a void in my life, was having people to do those things, to have those conversations. Yeah, I know people, and the people that I think would come through with me, they're all elsewhere. You know, the internet has made it easy to keep in touch with people. But in your regular, everyday, daily, in-the-flesh life, once again, pre and hopefully post-pandemic. It doesn't feel like they're here. And so I guess, look, I still have to work on adjusting my own mindset when it comes to that. Because I do think that there are people in my life who I can consider friends. They're just not here. And so... It, it it tends to make it harder to consider them when they are absent your daily life. And so the idea of no man is a failure who has friends I think really struck me hard this time around because it's often that I feel like I do have no friends which is not a unique problem I am finding more and more with other adults 
But because of that lack of friendships and relationships of that nature, then that then makes me feel like a failure for not having that. And so this year's It's a Wonderful Life viewing really, uh, really cut me deep. And, um, and you know, while I was happy for George Bailey at the end of the film, um, I felt sad for myself. And so I'm still, still working to process some of that and realize that once again, the George Bailey standard is tough to meet because he is a fictional character that anything can happen to and for. But I don't, I don't then think that that necessarily means we shouldn't try to find our best versions of ourselves that could live up to that standard, which I don't think is impossible, which I don't think is unreachable. Just got to put in the work. And remember, once again, progress, not perfection. And on that note, I'm going to call time. But I do want to, I guess I want to talk really quickly before we get out of here about my plans for the holidays. You know, I said at the outset, Christmas is very important to me. Um, my wife and I and our kids, we essentially bailed on Thanksgiving. Uh, we had a much more smaller, low-key Thanksgiving, which I talked about here a couple weeks back. Um, basically Thanksgiving for four. Um, but for Christmas, we are... We're going to go see my family and we're going to make a drive up to New Jersey and in the household, it will be, uh, my immediate family here. So myself, my wife, my two kids, uh, will be staying with my parents. So that's two more. Um, and then my sister and her wife and my nephew. And, you know, we have taken all the precautions uh, that, uh, are necessary to have, uh, in a situation like this, uh, to the point where my sister is literally taking three weeks off of work in order to, uh, sufficiently quarantine her household to make it safer to be in a house together with all the people who are not living in your immediate household. Uh, here at my house, I mean, look, we haven't really done anything or gone anywhere since uh, March uh, that wasn't essential. And so there's been a, a quarantine here in this house uh, for months <laughs> to make sure that we are doing what it was, what it is that we're supposed to be doing. And uh, we, my parents are also doing a strict quarantine as well. So look, this is really this is going to be the first time in a long, long time that not only have a, a uh, interacted with people that are close to me, <laughs> um, but also seen people uh, that are important to me in my life. And so look, it is, um, 
it's scary still uh, because COVID is still out there and I've come this far not getting it. Um, I'm anxious about it. Uh, I'm nervous to a, to a degree, um, but I'm also very excited. So, you know, the only thing I can say to you is, you know, before we, we get out of here is don't make these decisions lightly. Uh, don't cave into peer pressure or family pressure. Make sure you're doing the things that you need to be doing uh, safely for yourself and for, for those around you. And if that means that you have a smaller, more low-key Christmas with, us, with just the people in your household, um, then so be it. If you are doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing, uh, wearing the masks, you're quarantining, and you want to, I guess, go for it, then I guess, you know, assess the risk and figure out whether or not that's doable. But this is not a normal year. Uh, it's not a normal Christmas. Uh, so don't, don't try to hold on uh, desperately to this thing that you're used to having that isn't that way anymore. So, you know, be safe. Be safe. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Take care of those that you love around you to make sure that you're doing this thing right and not just doing it because that's the way you've always done it before. And I'll leave it at that, okay? Um, look, let's let's get ready to get out of here, okay? Uh, if you want to send an email into the show, you got a question, comment, feedback, anything you want me to take a look at, uh, gettingoldquicklypod at gmail.com. Send those emails in. I will read through them. Uh, I'll give you a response back as well, but that's the way that you can get in touch with me here at the podcast, gettingoldquicklypod at gmail.com. You're already listening to the podcast, so look, make your life a little bit easier and subscribe to it while you're at it so that you don't have to go searching for new episodes when they drop every single Monday. We are available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Anchor, and so many others. Basically, if you get a podcast from there, you can probably find us there. So subscribe to the podcast, make your life easier so that everything gets delivered to you when the new episodes drop. And if you're a frequenter of Apple Podcasts, rating and reviewing the podcast is really helpful. And I greatly appreciate if you would do that five stars for the efforts we put in here week in and week out. Uh, I'd be very thankful for. And if you can jot down a few words, preferably in sentence form, about what you love about this podcast, what you get out of it, why you dig it, why you think others may, put that in a review. And once again, grateful if you do that. The other key is... Look, help us get the word out on social media. The best way to help uh, bring in other people to check out the podcast and listen to it is by you vouching for it. And do it on social media. Like, share, retweet, whatever. Let other people know who you're in touch with, why they should be checking this out. And when you do that, you can tag us on Twitter at GettingOldQuick. On Facebook, you can like our page, facebook.com slash gettingoldquickly, and on Instagram, at gettingoldquickly. The end of the year is almost here. So, look, be safe out there. Take care of yourselves. Have a Merry Christmas. 
Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Happy Holidays, Festivus, whatever it is that you celebrate. Try and make the best of it for yourself, for your loved ones, for those that are close around you. Be safe out there and take care of yourselves. Okay? I'm Billy Donnelly. I'm getting old quickly. And just remember, getting old doesn't suck. It kind of just happens. Mm -hmm.